Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City and beaming out across all of space and time, this is Star Talk, where science and pop culture collide. Welcome to the Hall of the Universe. I'm your host. Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and tonight we get weird. We're featuring my interview with parody songwriter and card-carrying geek, Weird Al Yankovic. So let's do this! So tonight, my comedic co-host is Maysoon Zaid. Maysoon, welcome! Thank you so much! And I think you're best known for your TED Talk, I got 99 problems, and palsy is one of them? Uh-huh. Because basically, like, in the oppression Olympics, I would win a gold medal. Because I'm oh. Palestinian, I'm Muslim, I'm a woman of color, I'm disabled, I live in Jersey. Well, so. <laughs> especially in Jersey. You don't get more minority than that. <laughs> I'll fight you. <laughs> and I'm floppy. So you rock it, you're... TED Talk. Well, I rock, but it's involuntary. It's the palsy. The palsy. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, we got we got you tonight. So thanks for coming on to Star Thank Talk. You. And also joining us is Star Talk's resident geek in chief, Charles Liu. Yeah. Charles. <laughs> Star Talk fans know him as a good friend of mine and colleague. He's a professor of astrophysics at the City University of New York on Staten Island, and we will be tapping your full range of geek expertise this evening. My geek mug overflows with mm. possibilities. Yes, indeed it does. So we're featuring my interview with a basically a geek hero. And if you didn't know how geeky he was, you will know by the end of this episode. Parody singer, songwriter, Weird Al Yankovic. What he does is he takes songs you're familiar with and just makes hilarious scripted comedy out of it, singing the song. He's a four-time Grammy winner with hits like Yoda and Eat It, and he's clearly a nerd himself. How do I know Weird Al had some deep geek in him? I asked. Check it out. I was very interested in, in math and science. Uh, early? Early on, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I was a, 
science and math plaque award winner in high school. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and I, ever since I was like very young, I was always interested in science. I think when I was a toddler, I, I already knew, you know, all the planets and the solar system. And I'm, I'm still not quite over the whole Pluto thing. Just I have to get tell over you. it. I, I, okay. Don't don't get all right, me started. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how, were you good at school? Yeah, I, I was uh, uh, my my high school valedictorian. That, that counts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we agree? <laughs> okay. And and on top of that, yeah, I skipped. I started kindergarten a year early, and I skipped second grade into third grade. So I started high school when I was twelve and graduated when I was sixteen. So I was always like the very nerdy kid. You know, I I, I, I ticked a lot of the boxes. Yeah. What are some <laughs> of those boxes? Well, you know, I, I was you know a bright student. I was kind of obsessed with uh, with homework. Uh, I wasn't full on obsessed. You liked with, homework. I liked. You know what? I, I loved uh, I loved math in particular. Loved math because <laughs> I, I I would do I would do I would do algebra for fun. Because okay. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Like it was like a puzzle. It was like solving for X. Like this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> We're up to five. Okay. But yeah, I mean stuff like that. Like two of these would have worked, but yeah. now you got all yeah, yeah. five. So yeah, I was. I would either like eat lunch by myself or with other similarly dorky kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so it was. It was all that. All the above. Okay. So um, were you in a community where this was kind of ostracized? Well, I, I will tell you, uh, there wasn't such a thing as a cool nerd when oh, yeah. I was growing that up. That wasn't invented yet. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Charles, did you, did you have all those boxes checked when you were a kid? Oh, for sure. I loved doing math, too. And so, in fact, I even married someone who loved doing math. In fact, she tells me that the morning before we got married, she and her bridesmaids were rocking out to Weird Al's music. Oh, <laughs> so my geek love for him increases with the passing moments. And so how would you distinguish, just either historically or today, uh -huh. the evolution of nerd versus geek? Oh, that's mm. a good point. Um, actually, we were discussing this at home recently. Um, the nerd is sort of more the general intellectually unpopular person, whereas the geek can be something that's specific. Like you can be a, a Star Trek geek or a Dungeons and Dragons geek mm. or a, a football geek, uh, but it's harder to be like a football nerd. On the other hand, nowadays, everything's all mixed together. So well, it's like plus, apples and oranges. Nerds have found one another. So yeah. to say that a nerd is unpopular, that's not true among other nerds. Or even a geek for that matter. You know, when I was growing up, we had a group of people who hung out together. We didn't know we were weird. We liked each other. We had fun no solving that together. No one told you together. you were weird. Oh, they told us, but we didn't believe them. <laughs> yeah. Because you were in denial of a, a, a basic truth. There was no need to accept that supposed stereotype because I had friends that we liked each other and we enjoyed each other's company. So, Maysoon, what do you think of that checklist that he presented us? I, I honestly think he nailed it. That really? Yeah. yeah, he totally nailed it. And I have an idea. What's that? I feel like we should, you know, play some nerd bingo. Nerd bingo? Yeah, nerd bingo. Oh, it's okay. Not, I have, <laughs> I like all the nerdy characteristics match a number. And um, so Charles is going to pick from a list of nerdy characteristics. And each one of these guys has a placard, and they're going to check off when their nerdy characteristic is called. Whoever okay. gets three in a row, bingo. Okay. All right. Go. Okay. All right, go. Nerd bingo. All right. Nerd bingo. Number B5. B5. Was in school band. Were you in school band? No. Orchestra. Nice. Does that count? One for Charles. Orchestra. All right. Woo. Apparently, Bingo's got points today. 
Come on, Charles. Okay, all right, here we go. Stir it up, stir it up. Okay, B9. Attended Comic-Con. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> did you, did yes. you speak? I did you speak at, at Comic-Con? He, he gets like a double check. I get double check. Yeah, double check. <laughs> okay. 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 The nerd That's is true. strong in this room. <laughs> okay, B3. Knows what PEMDAS stands for. P-E-M-D-A-S. I have no idea. No. Remember? Well, Addition I just and subtraction, division, multiplication, exponent, <gasps> power. It's the thing that you unravel equations with. PEMDAS. I have some sad news. Charles Liu has won. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Save wait, the excuse me. Save the wait, 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 excuse me. <laughs> Bingo. Whoa. <laughs> I'm unworthy. In your face. I did In not your need face. mnemonics Woo. to know how to unfold my equations. Oh. This is true. All right. So there is a higher level of nerditude. <laughs> <laughs> I gladly share my award with you, sir. So, so, Charles, in your day, what was it like being a nerd? Well... I'm a little older than you, so there might be an interesting true. comparison here. By the time I was certifiably nerdy, it was starting to become cool. Microsoft, Apple, some of those great billionaires that we today recognize as captains of industry... Weren't yet billionaires. Weren't yet, but they were starting to get some cred. Okay, so you were never given a wedgie and slammed into the lockers. No. Okay, if you came just in time for that to not happen. That's correct. Mm. Okay. I so got very lucky. In my day, that happened. Mm. Oh, okay? no. You? Not, not to me. Oh, okay. Because I was nerd jock. Oh. Okay. So I could, I, I, you know, I carried my slide rule on my hip. Wow. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I felt deeply connected with the nerd community. So when I saw one being being uh, uh, beaten up, I, that, to me, was an assault on all nerds everywhere. Oh, you the and man. So, so I had in my head that were I to be a superhero, mm. it would be nerd protector. Thank you. And that, Thank that, you and very much. I felt much. that deeply. No, I, I'm very, I mean that yeah. sincerely. And because the nerds had no protectors in the day, not until the, the popular kids needed us to help them with their computer mm -hmm. and their you know, math homework and mm -hmm. this sort of thing. So, What was the jock side? The jock side, I was captain of my wrestling team. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be bowling. I'm really no. Bowling? Because <laughs> they're all slugs. Damn. <laughs> now, I, I have seen pictures of his six-pack abs. But I was still like, Getting A's in my physics class. There you go. Doubly dangerous. You were calculating the angles necessary to defeat your opponent on the mat with maximum efficiency. Yes, because physics helps in everything, basically. Amen. So, so Maysoon, tell me, Geek has kind of risen up to be almost like a cultural mm. phenomenon. And so, is that a good thing or bad thing? I think it's a good thing because geekdom crosses all boundaries. It doesn't discriminate based on race, religion, economics. So it's great that we're seeing it like kind of froth up and become more powerful. Froth up, that I sounds... Think it, you got a better <laughs> adjective for that? Um, it's made the world moist with geeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. Okay. Because I'll take a geek over a bully any day. Uh, oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Comment. And if, at... at Comic-Con, it is, it is a, a full spectrum of people, not only of different skin colors and heights and weights, but 
different physical appearances. There's no judgment, only on your costume, not on what else you look like. Or lack thereof. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they will get they will totally call you out if your costume is not authentic. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I see it as a I don't want to quite call it a love fest, but it is a celebration of being yourself. Oh, yeah. And and it's a place to do handmade. Where else in the world can you still make handmade costumes and be cool? Yeah, right. Again, that's a good point. this got us beat up as kids. Right. Candy stole it. Now you get prizes at Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> we are winning. So we know that uh, Weird Al was a totally nerdy kid. And so, of course, he played a nerdy instrument. <laughs> Let's find out what that is. I took accordion lessons from ages 7 to 10. Accordion lessons? Accordion lessons, yeah. So nobody wanted you to get laid at all. <laughs> is this right? This is. Well, here's my parents' logic. My parents made the decision for okay. me. It was a choice between guitar lessons and accordion lessons. And of course, my parents, having the foresight, knew that if I took accordion lessons, I would never be lonely. I'd be a one-man band. <laughs> I'd be the life of any party. <laughs> Who wouldn't want an accordion player at the party? <laughs> Well, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. You know, we're, we're talking about the mid '60s here, yeah, okay. and um, the, the accordion had just become an, uh, become an unhip instrument. The, the guitar rose up and became king. Yeah, I mean, in the '60s, there you know there was some guitar stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so. <laughs> so they were a little behind the curve, but, but like you look at the '50s. I mean, uh, the late great Dick Contino was like a famous accordion player, and you look at his album covers, and without any irony whatsoever, he's there with an accordion, and there's women draped on his legs, like ooh, <laughs> accordion player. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my friend, oh, young Alfie would love that. <laughs> so is an accordion, you know, I never really understood an accordion. It's a piano. It's, it's a piano on the right side. Uh, okay, but like the air, what does the air do? Yeah, oh, the air, uh, the bellows supply uh, the energy to, to push the uh, air through the reeds to, to make the sounds. So it, it's it's actually a very sensual instrument. It's very dynamic. Yeah. Plus, it's like a, it's you have to be mechanically yeah, it's coordinated. Kind of, it's one of these yeah, kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. Yeah, yeah. You press and twist. Right. I mean, that's and what's this angling of it? Is that just a? Oh, that's just for showing off. That's for the chicks. Maysoon, <laughs> 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 is is the accordion a sexier instrument than we've given it credit for? It ain't the banjo, but it is sexy as. Did you just say it's not the banjo? Uh, yeah, the most sexy instrument ever, but the accordion is a close, close second. And the way that Weird Al just described the moves kind of got me thinking. Wow. About... Well, up next, we get white and nerdy. With Should the... we leave? <laughs> with, the, with the musical parodies of Weird Al Yankovic when Star Talk returns. Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add 
taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block Tax Pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, the Bahamas, and Panama. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. The future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed. This is Star Talk. Musical parody artist Weird Al Yankovic. 
And I asked him about the heavy infusion of geeky science references in his music, and especially in his hit song, White and Nerdy. Check it out. Do you have someone vet your, 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 your lyrics? For their scientific, I, I do that myself. I, you know, I'll. Oh, go Mr. Valedictorian. I'll, I'll, I'll go online and. There's I'll, no one else who can <laughs> vet my own lyric. I'll have you do it from now on. No. But no, I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I make sure that it's as factual as it can be. Been white and nerdy. I think you talk about memorizing pie. Yo, I know pie to a thousand places. Ain't got no grill, but I still wear braces. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is what? A, just remind me well, of a couple see, of the. I mean. I, uh, although it's inspired by you know real experiences that I've had in my life, I mean I make exaggerations. I, I, I don't really know pi to a thousand plays. I know like three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine. You know, after about twenty or thirty places, it's not really appropriate for ho- household <laughs> use. You know, it, it's really too much. It's too much. Twenty thirty places ought to be good for anybody. Good for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, so I guess you know what it is. If you grew up as a geek, a nerd, whatever is, choose your word, you see pieces of these lines and words. Yeah. And even when they're parody, even when they're caricature, it just touches something. And I remember, you know, I was a, I was a pretty big kid in high school, so I was not bullied like others, but I resonated deeply with the community of people who were. Mm-hmm. And so every line... In, in your white and nerdy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I just, it was, I felt it. I, I try to have as many cultural touchstones as I could. Yes. Even in the video, the Star Wars holiday special, like every little thing, I, I wanted some nerd to go, oh yeah, I, I'm feeling you. <laughs> yeah, and there's no detail too obscure yeah, to no, no. touch because somebody's going to find exactly, it. Exactly right, exactly and right. Maybe that's, that's the secret. And, and, and I think that video came out at exactly the right time. I mean, at, at that point, people were like talking about nerd cred. And like, you know, I, I was a nerd before you were a nerd, you know. <laughs> and uh, and as, I, as we talked about, that was not a phenomenon right, <laughs> when right. we were in high school. But the video was boastful, right? Yes. Yes. It it, was... It's like an empowered nerd. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> We got to bring in a new guest to help us analyze this one. Uh, I've got an empowered nerd, a musical parody super fan, Star Trek All Star, and fellow astrophysicist Emily Rice. Emily, welcome Hi. back to Star Talk. <laughs> You, too, are a professor at City University of Staten Island. Yep. And you also moonlight as DJ Carly Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> they can't get... You see what she did there? Yeah. Yeah. So so do you resonate with this nerdy references and in, in Al's lyrics? I'm gonna say I resemble that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I So what's your favorite parody? I'm already I'm super fangirl. I couldn't even pick my favorite song. So this is I feel like I grew up with Weird Al. Like I remember, you know, I bought Thriller at, uh, on vinyl, but then I loved Eat It when that came out. I loved like so I loved all the Michael Jackson parody. You know, I I loved that Weird Al did the music that I already loved and like then put the new spin on it and made it that much funnier and now for every decade there's a new He's, favorite song. He was popular with you but, oh, yeah. you're, but you're a self-described nerd. His music was more popular than just the nerds could have supplied for it. Oh, so yeah. how do you account for that? I think the like a parody like that is another level of 
understanding, like another level of storytelling, another level of sharing. And it's that much like you don't, in order to make a parody, you don't just have to know the original song, you have to add something to it. And so there's like, it's almost like sarcasm, the way that sarcasm, like when it's like funny sarcasm and not necessarily mean sarcasm is like a way to communicate two different things at once. Okay. You know, you can communicate kind of the, the, the actual thing that you're saying, but then there's the underlying thing that you need to, like the implied thing that you need to know, you know, the references that you need to get in white and nerdy in order to, to know why it's funny. But it's still funny, you know, even if you don't understand anything, you know, all of the references. Is it, is it important to you as a super fan of this genre that the lyrics are accurate? Yeah. It's, I mean, it just, I'm not going to be pedantic about it. Like, I'm not going to go around, like, you know, ruining all the movies on Twitter. Um, oh, no I mean, one we know does that. <laughs> we don't know anyone who does that right now. This show's over. But I, I just, I'm not. <laughs> but I love it when they're accurate, because why not? Like, why not take 10 extra seconds? I mean, Weird Al probably doesn't even need to Google anything. Apparently, he's outpied us all. Oh, yeah. But, like, what, you know, why not take the extra 10 seconds to, like, you know, make it a little bit accurate? Like, add the details, you know, call, add the right call numbers. Call up a scientist and help. Yeah, Put your favorite scientist on speed dial. I kind of love it. That mm-hmm. White and Nerdy came out when I was in grad school. I already loved Weird Al, and I was like coming into my own as a nerd in graduate school. It was kind of like, well, after this, there's no turning back. Like, <laughs> and so, You're I, in. I, yeah, and I was like, you know, I. You guys talked already about like being the nerds growing up and stuff like that, and I was always. I feel like I pretended not to be the nerd. Like, I was the nerd that was like, no, I'm cool. Aww. I'm cool. But now I'm like, no, I'm a nerd. And I love it. And well, maybe maybe it's not, no, it I'm up. not a nerd. I'm cool. It's, yes, I am a nerd. I'm cool. Now yes. it's that. Yeah. It Ooh. wasn't growing up, but now it is. And gosh, I love it. Well, so no one has the street geek cred the way Weird Al does. But there's another performer who sings about, in ways that he thinks he's got his handle on science. Uh, he's a rapper named B.O.B. And he actually raps about the world being flat. So that's not just getting a small fact wrong that they didn't look up, where 10 extra seconds of research could have corrected it. This is a fundamentally flawed approach to understanding the nature of reality. But luckily, we have a generation of scientifically literate, scientifically inspired rap artists. And we have one here tonight to set the record straight. And his name is Elect, which is short for the intellect. Welcome, the intellect. Thank you. How's it going, y'all? So what do you got for us tonight? I'm about to perform Flat to Fact. Flat to Fact? Flat to Fact, exactly. Was this your diss track? Yeah, I wrote it on behalf of you, my man. Well, because he called me out. And uh, when you call out the family, you know, you got <laughs> This is my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Still going to be an uncle. <laughs> All right, give it to me. Let's go. Oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Not again. Yeah. He learned the game from Carl Sagan, you can never check him. You say the earth is flat and then you try to disrespect him. I'm bringing facts to combat a silly theory because all y'all gotta know the planet's like a sphere, G. Whoa, very important, I clear this up. You say that Neo's vest is what he needs to loosen up. And he's amazing cause the brother's getting paid while the ignorant just spitting helps to keep people enslaved. I mean mentally, 
You gon' make me go insane I'm for Brenton's the fat of the fast lane You the donkey of the day I ain't waiting for Charlemagne And all them strange clouds Must be messing with your brain I ain't waiting for a day's bob I'm right here I got science in my corner And there's nothing to fear I'm not sure what it was That really made you think That you could disrespect the Tyson And your ship won't sink I mean, whoa Are these elated thoughts Or is the loud talking? I'm a high flyer But you must be cloud walking and now nobody raise a great musician with intelligence to say some better stuff than what he's written. Kid, guitar strings turn to Twitter things. Kid, you get bodied by a young king. I'm fucking famous, but I got an education. And I'm putting it to use to make a better nation. Standing up for science. Now here's more from my interview with performer Weird Al Yankovic on how he gets permission to use other artists' music for his parodies. Check it out. I, I get permission for every single parody that I do. But do you need permission? For well, that's you know I always the phrase I always use in this case is is it's a gray area uh, because it's considered generally fair use uh, uh, by the by the courts, but you know for, for a couple reasons. <laughs> what 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 what? So you say, uh, Michael, I'm going to dress up like a huge fat person, <laughs> popping my buttons, and I'm going to make fun of your song, and the courts will call that fair use. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> this should be another category. Unfair use. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but tell, tell me. No, tell but, me. but, you know, um, if, if we live in a very litigious society yes. where even, even if I have every right to do something, I can still get sued. Yes. And I'd rather, I'd rather be able to sleep soundly at night and not think that, that somebody's mad at me. And, and more, more than that, really, I, I like to keep relationships with, with, uh, you know, with artists and, and, and not have them mad at me. So I always want to make sure that I have their blessing before I do the parody. Before you do the parody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I, I won't even write the song. I'll come up with an idea and go, oh, that's pretty funny. And then we'll contact whoever and see if they're into it. Uh-huh. And your your track record helps that going forward, I presume. No, yeah, I mean, and Michael Jackson was a big part of that because prior to Michael Jackson signing off on it, it was sort of like, Weird Al who? Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you on that yeah. one. But once Michael Jackson uh, said, uh, I could do Eat It, then we can call those people back and say, you know, Michael Jackson didn't seem to have a problem with it, so what's your uh -huh. deal? What happens if someone who you check to see if they're okay with your parody, if they just say no? Uh, if they say no, then I then I walk away. Oh, okay. That's it. I mean, you know, really, it, and that it, it's pretty rare. I mean, uh -huh. most most artists actually kind of look forward to their Weird Al parody. Uh -huh. It's sort of like you know, I like to say you've got your your Grammys and your your platinum albums, then your Weird Al parody <laughs> if you've really made it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a dream come true for an artist to have Weird Al Yankovic make fun of them. But you know what else? It's a filmmaker's dream come true to be called out on Twitter by you, Neil. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> it is. It's goals. It's filmmaker's really? goals. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, I, don't, I used to do it a lot, and then it angered so many people, I just pulled back into my shell. No. Yeah. You got to come back out. I got to come back. I want yeah. me to bust out. Filmmakers need you. Come back out. You can also say nice things. All they have to say now is they get the science right. Uh, if Emily, they do something nice. No, you cannot say nice <laughs> That's not how I'm Twitter works. That's not how any of social media works. So, <laughs> Emily, that solar flare was so accurate. <laughs> so, Emily, as a huge fan of this genre, uh, you can imagine that there's a whole section of copyright law 
written just to accommodate his parodies. I mean, yeah. th that's not a stretch to imagine. Oh, yeah, it's real. I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it weird that law would protect that? No, I don't think so. Like I say, it's, it's creation and it's, you know, it's people making money. Yeah, but who decides that the parody is funny and therefore legitimate yeah, material. That's a, that's a big If question. it's not funny, then it's just you're copying it yeah. and then you're not paying for it. Well, the idea of, of parodying and the, the fair use is that you also have to add something to it. You can't just, like, do it again and, you know, t you can't steal something. You have to value add to yeah, it. Yeah, you have to, really, In value some, add is a good term, I think. You have okay. to add something to it. You have to, you have to say something about it. You have to use it to say something else. But so, in comedy, if someone uses someone else's joke, maybe they think they could do it better. In comedy, joke stealing is a deadly sin. Really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've seen comics, like, come to blows over stuff like that. But if you do steal from me, uh -huh. you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, there are some parodies of you that I really dig. Of me? <laughs> yeah. Like, I love Saturday Night Live. Oh, they did me a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. And then you got Key and Peele, Oscar winner. Oh. oh. And this Andrew last one is by far my favorite one, Playboy Bunny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Emily and Charles, scientists use each other's ideas all the time. Oh yeah, and even that's a kind of currency. Like it's a uh, the, the so. In fact, you we, want your stuff to be. Oh used. yeah, we so what we do, what we kind of get paid for, is to publish papers, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's probably read all my scientific papers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, um, <laughs> yeah. I bet you have, Charles. 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 <laughs> Look away, really and good. then and then other people have to cite your papers. Right. And in fact, like the the kind of tradition is, you put your paper online when it gets published, and then you wait for the emails to come in, and of, of all your colleagues saying, "Well, you should have cited this paper. You should have cited this paper." Paper. Mm -hmm. You should have cited it. Because not only do we count the papers that we write, but we count how many times they get cited by other scientists. Yeah, but but if you always have to cite someone for an yeah. idea, would that mean there are no new ideas in science, Charles? Oh, there are new ideas all the time. But if you're always citing people who came before you, standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the newness comes from being able to see farther yeah. than the person you're standing on. There's always something new, and that's what makes science so exciting. That point of discovery where you look beyond and you go, wow, that's something no one else has seen before. Okay, let's, let's geekify this. Emily, Weird Al's parodies kind of like creating an alternative universe in the multiverse. Mm, I like Ooh, that. I think so. That's what Stephen Hawking believed in terms of the interpretation of quantum mechanics. I like it. I would like to live in that universe. Okay. <laughs> Well, Emily, thanks for being back on Star Talk. Thanks for having me. Loved your comments here. Emily, yes, thank you. Emily Rice. Up next, we find out why Weird Al Yankovic doesn't use curse words in his comedy when Star Talk returns. This is Star Talk. Welcome back to Star Talk from the American Museum of Natural History, right here in New York City. We're featuring my interview with musical parody legend, Weird Al Yankovic. And I asked him about the comedy chemistry of his hugely popular music videos. Let's check it out. Could you, given your life experience and wisdom, <laughs> could you explore for me 
the value of the comedy as written words relative to the comedy as performed. Mm. Well, uh, I mean... Be- because, you know, when, when, you did, when you did bad... That was Michael Jackson. I did, I did fat. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. We get confused all the time. All the time. It's, it's a just, good mistake. It's, just, it's a thing. Yeah. So um, when you did fat, um, the lyrics are hilarious. But it's more hilarious to watch it. So when you make these songs, are you hoping that they are first ingested by video? They've got to work both ways. Uh, and anything that I write uh, has to work purely as an audio recording. It's got to be funny in and of itself. And the reverse is, is true. Like, Eat It was a big hit in Japan. and Eat It, parody of Beat It. Of Beat It, right. And I think that was mostly because of the video, because I'm not sure, you know, uh, how many people in Japan really understood the wordplay right. in the song, but they could appreciate the fact that it was a direct parody of the Michael Jackson video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Maysoon, uh, how does visual visual humor work differently from from just audio humor? Well, you gotta, like, use your eyes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> That's a big difference. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you were the first comedian, as I understand it, to perform stand-up in your family's home country of Palestine. Yeah, um, it's kind of like being the first scientist. I'm the first, but I don't know if I'm really the first. Maybe in the 1950s in Palestine, there was this amazing comedian that just didn't have access to the internet and nobody knows. But as far as recorded history, I am the first. (laughs) (laughs) And what I love about it is because I was a woman, they didn't have that like stereotype that women aren't funny. Uh And when men comics came to the Middle East after me, people were like, how cute they're trying to be like the ladies. Oh. Oh. Okay, so now your parents are Palestinian, but you're mm. born in New Jersey. I'm born and bred in the great state of New Jersey. So don't try to pretend like you 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 American. I'm born in the USA. It's very, very disconcerting to a lot of people who scream at me, go back to your country. And I always go, I'm from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, but so Obviously, you would have some sensitivities and awareness of the Palestinian culture because your parents were. But what's it like delivering comedy in different cultures? Because half, to me, as far as I can tell, half or more of comedy has to fit in the culture in which it's delivered. A live comedy totally goes both ways. I don't have to understand something for it to be funny. Like, for example, I understood nothing that Charles said, and I laughed my head off. Well, so uh, Weird Al's humor is clean, no curse words, PG-rated. So I asked him, because so many comedians rely on curse words, I asked him about his approach, that approach to comedy. Let's check it out. I couldn't help but notice there is no uh, profanity or obscenity. Is this a, a philosophical point? Yeah, it's, it's not a calculated thing because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, he's just doing that to get the family audience. And, and you know, that's, that's a nice side effect. It's nice to be like, like the, the album that gets played on family car trips. I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's a cool thing. Uh, but mostly it's just an extension of my personality. It's just kind of the way that I was raised. I, I, I never e- even used profanity in everyday life. And it's just, you know, that's just me. I, I appreciate comedy. That's, were, that's, were you a Boy Scout? I was never a Boy Scout. My folks wouldn't let me be a Boy Scout. Oh, okay. They were too rough and vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the reason why I ask 
is for so much comedy, they need access to profanity or vulgarity uh-huh. just to round out where they want to take the humor. Uh-huh. So you have found places to go that don't need it at all. Yeah, I mean, I try to find my way around that. I, I understand there are some, uh, some times when it's helpful in comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of comedy is based on surprise and shock value, and profanity fills that. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's just not the kind of comedy that I, I personally want to put out into the world. What about the ever-shifting comedic soils? The, the sand dunes of comedy, yes. where the sand dunes here today, and then like in six months it's over there, but you're standing over here. Right. So in the I'm Fat video, were there like, was there a demographic that complained about that? Yeah, not then or today? Not so much. I mean, I, I've had people say, well, you could do a song like that today. And that, that's, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. That's uh, what I want to know. I don't know. I mean, I'd be more sensitive about that. Uh, but again, when I did the song Fat in 1987, 88, uh, it's like the nerd thing. I mean, it was an empowering thing. I wasn't making fun of overweight people. It was sort of like a guy that was like big and proud. Right. You know, and I, I think it's all about attitude and all about perspective. And the guy singing the song was, you know, it, it was not derogatory for him. It was like, you know, a joyous, empowering a celebration. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Maysoon, is there a fine line between comedy that empowers a person who it addresses or just is mean-spirited? Well, the interesting thing about comedy is sometimes you have to actually try it out to see if it's offensive or not. And I think there's a couple of different standards. One is, is it funny? Like, you kind of have to be funny in order for it to not be mean. But also, is it earned? And is it yours to joke about? So, like, when I first became a comedian, I thought I was Andrew Dice Eddie Murphy. (laughs) And I used... Very vulgar. Not only was I vulgar, In case people don't know but I Andrew was like, Clay. I was like slurry McSlur. Like all I did was use slurs all day, all night. Paula Dean had nothing on me. Okay. And um, and I didn't realize until I got later in my career that not only was I depending on it, but I was harming my audience. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you're censoring yourself. I don't think I'm censoring myself at all. I choose not to be mean. I choose not to use slurs. I choose not to joke about things like pedophilia because I don't want to harm the people in my audience. My like number one goal is to make people laugh. So how do people react when you joke about having cerebral palsy? Palsy. Um, they laugh. And they're not laughing at me. They're laughing at their own biases and fears against disability. Because when I talk about my CP, I'm not doing it to be inspirational at all. I'm just telling real stories. Like, if you joke about things that people fear, or if you joke about things that people hate, that in a way you get them to no longer fear it and no longer hate it, and especially no longer try to kill you. Oh! (laughs) Okay, so now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Up next, Weird Al Yankovic has a question for me about how the universe will end when Star Talk returns. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential. 
And through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, Auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today thanks to the following patreon patrons for helping us make this episode of star talk possible jeff prime jennifer shin richard shirley and thank you for your simple names the future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed this is star talk Museum of Natural History. We're featuring my interview with musical parody artist Weird Al Yankovic. And he had a question for me about the universe. Check it out. Well, um, I'm kind of curious. I know, I know that there's different schools of thought among astrophysicists and cosmologists, but I was just wondering what your opinion is on how the universe is going to end. Do you think it's going to be, do you think that uh, the expansion is going to slow down and go back to a singularity and maybe you have a big crunch to start over again? Do you think there's going to be a big freeze where, you know, the, the absolute temperature is going to go to zero? Do you think it's, you know, do you think the, the forces of expansion are going to outweigh the gravitational field and everything will get ripped apart on a molecular level or atomic level? What do you, I, I, I've got money on this. I want to know what you think. <laughs> Vegas, what are the, what are the, <laughs> uh, so do you want the, the bad answer first, the worst answer or the worst answer? Gosh, let's let's. Uh, I'm going to go with bad. Bad. Okay. So the bad answer is all evidence says we are on a one-way expansion trip. 
We're expanding faster than the collective gravity of everything in the universe can possibly slow us down to reverse. So it's a one-way trip. And in that one-way trip, temperature of the universe will drop to absolute zero, asymptotically. Mm. So, so not only does it become large, it becomes empty because matter becomes more and more separated and it becomes cold. And as I, as I say, the universe will end not with a bang, but with a whimper. Ah. And not in fire, but in ice. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a bo- spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you said in the clip that there was a bad answer, a worse answer, and like the baddest answer ever. Yeah. What was that? The, the baddest answer? Uh-huh. <sighs> All right. There's some hypotheses that the expansion of the universe will become so accelerated that the very capacity of the space-time continuum to stretch will become compromised. And no longer will space-time stretch. It will tear. And we have no idea what would happen after that. A tear in the fabric of space. Like a wrinkle. No, worse than a wrinkle. (laughs) A tear. (laughs) If you close a wrinkle, do you iron them out? If they tear... It's a wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) So our Star Talk fans, every show we solicit, questions that they might have about a topic that we discussed, and they've got questions about the end of the universe themselves. So that means it's time for Cosmic Queries! So uh, you're going to read questions from the internet. We haven't Mm -hmm. seen them. I got my man Charles here to answer every question because he's geekier, nerdier than I am. But I might be able to add color commentary to it. So, so what do you have yeah. for us? I'm going to be the voice of your voiceless fans. Yes, please. Number one, mm-hmm. at Sammy Forever on Twitter asks, how do planets end? And if one of the planets in our solar system ended in some way, how would it affect us? Because it's about us on Earth. Oh, okay, Charles, let me get this. Okay. Okay. In five billion years, the sun will expand stupendously so large that it will engulf the orbits of Mercury and Venus. And its surface will become so near to Earth that Earth's oceans will come to a rolling boil and evaporate into the atmosphere. (laughs) And the atmosphere will evaporate into space. And the ember that was once a haven for life descends into the crucible that is the center of the sun as we vaporize. Have a nice day. (laughs) So that's what would happen to us. Um, okay. (laughs) Ziggy, it doesn't really matter because we're going to evaporate, but Ziggy Richards from Facebook asks, do black holes ever end? Or are they eternally crushing matter and light with their gravity? Does it ever stop? Charles. Yes, it ends. Black holes evaporate through a quantum mechanical process named after Stephen Hawking. It's called Hawking radiation. He first came up with it a long time ago. But it will take a really, really long time. So as you heard from Neil, five billion years from now, our sun will die and our Earth will die with it. But you know how long it'll take a black hole to yeah, do way, that way same longer. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. A Google years. Yeah, 10 to the 100th power years. Google spelled correctly. G-O-O? G-O-L. G-O-L. Yeah. 
Before I read the next query, yes? are any of your scientific answers not like dark and deadly? Because I'd oh. like to sleep again. <laughs> okay, right it might now, be a nice. We'll I'm try to get evaporate it. and burn to death. No, you and want to fall you... in a black hole. Wait, wait. You want you'll vaporize? That's worse than just simply evaporating. <laughs> oh, it's better. No, I prefer to be vaporized over evaporated. Wow. Yeah. 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 Vaporize is faster. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. All right, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, up next, Weird Al Yankovic plays Isaac Newton in a parody rap battle. Nice. That I'm in. Nice. When Star Talk continues. <laughs> this is Star Talk. Welcome back. To start talk, we're exploring the geeky musical comedy of Weird Al Yankovic, and he plays my man Sir Isaac Newton in a science-infused rap battle on YouTube, and it includes Isaac Newton, a parody of Bill Nye, and a parody of me. Check it out. Who are the combatants officially in that video? It, officially, it's uh, Sir Isaac Newton, mm -hmm. which I play. And uh, Nice Peter plays Bill Nye, mm -hmm. and then Charlie Tuna plays you. Okay. <laughs> and, and you just, killed just it, I gotta premise. say. I gotta say. The lyrics are very clever. I mean, did people actually think that was you in the video? They're like, oh, that was a great video you No, did. no, no, they didn't think it was me. <laughs> Why don't you pick on the brain your own size? So I got the last word in that video, but Isaac Newton had some, some good zingers before that. And one of his lines to Bill Nye is, I'll leave you with a page from a book I wrote at half your age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, he, then he goes on to say, the integral secant y dy from zero to one sixth the power of pi is log to base e of the square root of three times the sixty fourth power of what? <laughs> mm. So, Charles, is that a real equation? Yes. What? The integral secant y dy is actually shows up in every calculus textbook that's been printed. I get that. I'm talking about the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing. The definite integral of that function yes. from zero to pi over six is actually the natural log of the square root of three. So if you take the natural log of the square root of three. I just know that now. I, I, I could figure it out in a half hour. And you're just spitting that out. It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the answer there, so he wrote, he said it was natural log yes. of the square root of three yes. times what to the 64th power, right? So. Because the answer is actually the natural log of the square root of 3, x to the 64 equals 1, which means that there are 64 solutions on the complex unit circle, including i, negative i, 1, and negative 1. Okay. Uh, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I also agree. But thank you. Thank you. We, I had we... a flashback to senior year calculus, and that is correct. <laughs> Well, it was a pleasure to meet and to hang out and to just chill with parody performer Weird Al Yankovic. And he's a lovable, legitimate nerd. That's all I'm saying. And in this final clip, I had an idea for his next role. 
Check it out. May I make a suggestion for sure. you? Because no one is doing this. Or maybe they are doing it and I haven't heard about it. I think somebody, and once you hear this, you'll know it's got to be you, has to give out the annual Nerd Awards. Oh, why, why don't they have one already? They don't. It seems so obvious. They got every other freaking award. <laughs> the annual Nerd Awards. We should co-host. <laughs> so the nerdiest statement in Congress, for example. Okay. No, no. Some, some Congress, members of Congress have some nerd street cred, and it might come out in something that they say. So it's, you're not making fun of them. You're right, celebrating right, right. the nerd. Yeah. There was, a, there was a placard in the March for Science last year, and it said, when nerds have to march, you should really worry about the state of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the best nerd poster. Yeah. Right? Let's get on that. <laughs> <laughs> this nerd geek culture, the fact that I can even use that phrase, geek culture, shows a remarkable advance of society's capacity to even recognize that demographic. Because I'm old enough to remember explicitly when if you were good at school, especially good at math and science, you really didn't have many friends. But you know what that tells me? There must have been, long ago, some monk must have accidentally mistranslated the Bible. That phrase, we know what phrase this is. I think it really should have been, and the geek shall inherit the earth. <laughs> You've been watching Star Talk. I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. As always, I bid you to keep looking up. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. 